0: As we continue to worship our awesome God, uh, let us continue to do that uh, while we look at Psalm 72. We had a—my uh, family's politically—pretty politically charged family— uh, we have great conversations. That's what I like to think. And I remember it was to the point that when Steph and I were first dating, she would ask us, ask me specifically, uh, why don't you guys ever have fun conversations? And my response was, well, because that is fun. Uh, we enjoy those types of things to the point that even at a family gathering not too long ago, like last week, uh, I could hear in the corner of my, like just there, uh, just earshots. A conversation about economics and politics and I went yes that is my family and I love it and I enjoy it and it's easy to have so many opinions especially as we enter into the season of, a, of an election it is so easy to have an opinion and opinions are okay opinions are all right we need to have them but something that our, our opinions can never overcome is our call to pray are called to pray for those whom God has placed over us. And in Psalm 72, it is a royal prayer. It is a prayer that was written by King David, uh, that was written down by his son Solomon, but it was a prayer that was said by King David to his son King Solomon as the throne began to transition from King David to his son King Solomon. It's an amazing prayer. It's an amazing prayer uh, to the king, to the future king, with anticipation and hope of what the future may hold. It's also just an amazing prayer from a father to a son. So as you have your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, we'll be reading from Psalm 72. If you don't have a Bible and you would love the Bible, right by the offering place in the back, we have the blue ones. I'm looking at it right now. And we would love to give you one. They're there for you for free. Um, so that you can follow along with us. The word of the Lord says this in Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor, of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, as, a, as long as this moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastland render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bear gifts, bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him, for he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence. He redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight." Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessing invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On tops of the mountains may its wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in their cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever forever. His frame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to continue to worship you today. Uh, God, it is, as we've been reminded through these songs and and through uh, these prayers that we've heard and sung today, Lord, through the reading of your word, it is only by your grace that we could even come here to praise you. Lord, in what world and what society do people of different cultures and different age brackets and just different everything can come together united and praise their God who has saved them? This is just a miracle in itself. So Lord, I just pray that as we worship you through the hearing of your word, through the hearing of the preaching of your word, as we continue to worship you, I do pray that you are glorified and that you are honored. Lord, we pray for other gospel preaching churches here in London who are gathering very much the same way. We pray for West Park as they gather and for Pastor Charles as he preaches your word. I pray that he would preach your word with boldness and that you would bless them and that they would see uh, people coming to know you as Lord and Savior as they seek to be faithful disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. I even pray for Memorial as they meet very much the same way and for Pastor Tim and uh, as he preaches your word today. Lord, may you be glorified and honored. And Lord, I can't make this turn out well at all on my own, so by your Spirit, Lord, will you give me what is necessary to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would use it to glorify your name, to bring joy to your people, and to bring salvation to the lost. And amen. So this is a prayer. We don't have a king, obviously. Uh, I was talking to one of our uh, saints at uh, a at, uh, prayer meeting, and he they were emphatic, saying, we do have a monarch, and I said, well, kinda. Um, we do. We do have a queen, but we also don't at the same time. So uh, we, have a mo- we, we are a democracy. We have a prime minister with a parliament. And we, it's a little different, but this is still very much applicable to you and to me, especially, as I was saying, as we enter into this election season. You know, sometimes we scratch our heads, and we just spend time going, what in the world is going on? Like, don't these guys have their heads on straight? If you're opinionated like me, uh, we will never talk about politics from the pulpit because this is not the place for it. The place is, this is the Bible here. But we're so called to do something, and it's a prayer that the king does, that King David does for his son, King Solomon, and it's an amazing reminder for us. In verses one, there's a request that, that God would give the king his justice. Did you see that? Give the king your justice, the songwriter says. Give what is needed to the king so that he may rule justly. The whole frame of this psalm is based upon this. Every act of the king, every act of justice, of righteousness, everything that comes out is all based on what God has given to the king. Every decision, every discernment that has happened, the songwriter says, give him this so that he may rule justly. The give there is imperative. It means that God is the ultimate source of the king's ability to rule justly. The king cannot rule justly at all without God first giving him that ability. That's the foundation. It's just God's justice and righteousness that the psalm is asking for. And what is the result of a king who takes God's righteousness and he rules that? As he takes God's righteousness and he applies it to his life and he takes it to heart, what is the result of a king that does that? In verse 2 to 4, it says, there's hope for a just rule. The result would be a continued evidence of just rule over his people. And it's interesting in this, in the NIV It breaks down the verbs in two different ways. There's a will and may that comes out. In the ESV, it just says will, will, will. But in the NIV, it splits it up and says, it uses words may and will. And this is an amazing thing to take part of. Because as you're looking at this, one is saying, it's an imperfect tense. It's waiting for anticipation of what is going to happen. That will, anticipation. This will happen or talking about the desire of the person praying with that may it's still a little hopeful but less affirmation of more of an affirmation of desire and when you look at this there's a prophetic reading that points to something that's even greater and more amazing because i don't know about you if you know your history at all of israel the kingdom <clears throat> sorry the kingdom never lasted like this it never lasted like this. King Solomon, in all of his glory, in all of the glory of the temple, in all of, his, uh, all of his palaces, never got to the point of this. So it's pointing to something greater. Even though it is still, at the same time, a prayer for the presence. See, God is the source of right rule. And if the king would allow themselves to be so empowered Will, he will rule so that the defenseless are protected, the oppressor is crushed, and the whole land would experience prosperity and righteousness. And that word prosperity is actually shalom. If you were to look into the Hebrew. It is the outcome of this prosperity. And shalom is that wholeness and completeness. It is a type of restoration of relational wholeness and balance that God intended and creation that sin corrupted. So there's a prayer. May we get back to the way things were before. As King David praises for his son. In verses 5 to 7, there's a desire for a reign that endures, and longevity and endurance is the foundation of a prosperity and blessing, right? We see this in our world even to this day. What happens if there's a country where there's always a coup? There's always a flipping over of governments. We live in such a blessed country where there's a transition of power without a battle, without a war, but we see that practically, Right? With longevity, there comes an aspect of prosperity that comes through. So God, may there be an endurance of this rain. The arid environment would have crops that would visibly show the blessing of God. If you've ever been to Israel, it, it, there's a lot of desert and wilderness. And on the hills of Lebanon, which would be usually a, a dry and arid place, where there'd be wheat that grows that's so bountiful that it waves in the sky... This blessing that comes through. As the king would rest in the justice of God, it would show in his reign, but it would also be shown in the prosperity as God blesses the king as he rules, as God calls him to. In a way that points to the very character of who God is. There's, there are not just effects that are limited to just Israel, but there are effects that eventually permeate throughout the whole world, like rippling effect. As we see in verses 8 to 14, there's a prayer for a worldwide reign. The king is to establish the intended creation order throughout the whole earth. In verses 8 to 11, you have this asking that his kingdom would be worldwide. Worldwide. It's crazy. Israel never became worldwide. <clears throat> the effects of a right rule aren't just limited to the border of Israel, but they go like a rippling effect, like if you were to throw that rock into, into the pond and you see the ripple effects go out. As this king would rule justly, it would not just affect Israel, but it would also affect all the countries around and to a certain degree, we see that fulfilled in Solomon. As kings did come and ask for wisdom and paid tribute to him. Sheba came from the middle of nowhere, we think maybe somewhere in Africa, to ask for the wisdom. And she brought all of these spices and, and minerals and all these things to bless Solomon. To a certain degree, this did happen. But fully, no, there's still a waiting of anticipation of something greater that is to happen. As David is writing this, as he's praying this to his son, he has in mind that Davidic covenant that God promised him before, that his kingdom would continue on forever, that through him the promised Messiah would come. And he prays this prayer, may your kingdom go worldwide. There there are hopes that will never be fulfilled even in the golden age of the monarch, but hopes that bring our eyes to what is ahead. There are hopes that will be fulfilled in the Messiah who will usher in the very kingdom of God. Even in verses 12 to 14, there's a hope for compassion and justice. And even with all of the hopes of what is happening, the king is still has responsibility right here at this time to emulate the very character of God as he judges and rules his people. He is not just a ruler, but a defender of the poor and the needy. In the Hebrew, that word, kai, for, connects that the reign over the whole world and the submission of the nation comes from his practice of delivering the needy when he calls. The king is God's representative on earth for his people. He is to emulate that the very character of who God is, and the blessings that come out of that. But this isn't just some sort of compassion that is kind of a, a, a legalistic administration of law. This isn't some sort of, you know, he got some parchment and he wrote out the law that they should, the poor should be taken care of and signed it and sealed it and said, there, we're taken care of. This is not what we're talking about here. It's even more it flows from a true sense of compassion that mirrors the very compassion of God. When I'm reading this psalm, and I'm seeing King David pray this for his son, King Solomon, he's saying this is who God is. God does care for the needy and the poor. And as God does, and as God's representative, you should too. So he prays, will you not do this as well? And there is an outcome, a, 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 a blessing that comes out of it. You know, we see this throughout our, our, our governments as well. You know, World War II was a, what we would call a just war. Of countries coming along and saying, look, there is something, there is a government, there is an individual who is abusing their people and they step in to, be, to practice justice. If the kings would allow themselves to be so empowered by God to rule in such a way, not only is the outcome of worldwide reign, but it's also a long reign, as you see in verses 15 to 20. There's a desire for a prosperous kingdom and the hope and confidence of expectation of the songwriter and the people so that the long reign of a right rule will bring in a golden age that looks like the golden age of Solomon's rule. Even Solomon, in all of his magnificence of his reign, could not compare to what we see in Psalm 72. We've got to keep in mind that King Solomon's rule was so marked in the people of God that when they came back from exile and rebuilt the temple, they wept because it did not even compare to the temple of Solomon. Right now, in my personal reading, I'm in Chronicles as Solomon begins to, to build the temple. And you're reading all of the pounds. I'm talking like thousands and thousands of pounds of gold. You think Fort Knox has something? Not even close to what Solomon had. But in all of Solomon's glory, in all of what happened in his kingdom, it was nothing compared to what we will see here, what we are waiting for in anticipation. God is the source of the right rule and blessing. As we continue on for the king and the outpouring of that blessing that God has given is in this doxology. Just as God has blessed, so the king blesses him. I love that doxology there. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Who's going to do all the things that we see here? God. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. You've got to ask yourself, as I was saying, we don't have a king, so what does this have to do with me? I think there's a couple of things that we learn from this. What, do we, what does this all mean for us? It means that we can pray that God will give us a just government. And two things come from this. You know, we, let's get into, we need to pray for our leaders. In 1 Timothy 2, one 2, let's just go there, because it's better to just go there. In 1 Timothy 2, the, the writer of Hebrews comes along, or writer of uh, Timothy, Paul, the Apostle Paul says this, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then verse 2 For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. One of the things that comes out of this psalm is pray for our leaders, pray for them. They need it. We spend a lot of time complaining and very little time praying. And I guarantee you that if you spent more time praying, you'd be spending less time complaining. You would, because God would change your heart. God would change your hearts. We complain about our political leaders. We spend time complaining about church leaders. We complain, we complain, we complain. And something I've noticed in my own heart is that if I spend more time praying for the people that I feel like I want to complain about, suddenly I'm not complaining as much anymore. I lament. God, will you not do something? God, this doesn't line up with your word but I don't complain. A few years ago, I was part of an organization where uh, I had been there for a while, and they had just hired a new individual, a a new lead, and I really struggled with this person because I had been there for a while, and I have my own pride issues, right, because I'm human, and we struggled. I struggled, and I, I remember complaining all the time. Every day, I'd come home, and I'd be like, I was married at the time. Still unmarried. She's not here. I'm still married. And uh, I remember complaining all the time. And then God really placed it on my heart, the complaining and the need of repenting of that. And I started praying for that individual, praying that they would grow closer to God, I praying that I could be used in a way that would encourage them, that I would be an encouragement to them and not someone who's always seeking to undermine. Because if I'm complaining, I'm ultimately undermining. Right? You know what happened? I became more and more aware of that sin. God began to change my heart more and more. I still had my opinions. I still disagreed with that individual. But God began to change my heart. And I sought the best for that person. And I still do to this day. Prayer is important, and it seems the Bible makes special mention of prayer for those in positions of authority. Such authorities include government officials, both international and national and local. We have a prime minister. We have a premier. We have a a city mayor. We have members of parliament, members of provincial parliament. We have city councillors and a slew of other people that we should be praying for. And such authorities include all of these people, including pastors, church elders, church board, or school boards, school principals, employers, and all of those types of people. His prayer then, in this psalm, is that God would grant David's son the ability to rule and judge in conformity to God's own righteous character. And we pray that God would give us a just government. We do pray that. We should pray that. We are commanded by God to do that. God, grant us good governments. And you may ask, why do we have to pray for elders? Well, I just told you the main reason, because God told you to, and you should say, if God tells you to do something, you say, how high? We do not pray for our leaders simply because we're commanded to. We're praying for them makes practical sense. Our leaders can affect the conditions we live in and have an impact on our families, on our churches. We've seen this this past two years. Our workplaces, our cities, and our countries. When those in authority are obeying the will of God, it is easier to live peaceably and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, as Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 2. When evil men are in authority, our prayers for them are just as needed. One of the greatest illustrations I can tell you of this is William Tyndale. I I encourage you to go read a biography of William Tyndale and how God used him. See, God used him to bring the English translation of the Holy Bible to England. Before that, there was no English translation, which means people did not have access to the Word of God. Like, we have, like, I don't know, probably 100 Bibles in this building right now. I probably have most of them in my office. But back then, in the 16, there, there was nothing. There wasn't even an English Bible. So God used him to do that, and the outcome of that was that Tyndale was charged as a heretic, a heretic, for taking the word of God and translating it from Latin, which was not the biblical language, to English. He was strangled while he was tied to the stake where they would burn his body. His last words, his last words were that, if, that the king's heart would be opened to the word of God while he was being strangled. I'm sure that as the, in our worst-case scenario in this country, we should be praying at least the same. We do not pray for our leaders merely for our own benefit. We also pray because leaders, leadership can be a tiring task. In James 3, verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Leaders carry a degree of responsibility to their followers. They are often the targets of criticism, and they go to people in crisis. If they are leading well, they are living their lives in service. We pray for them, all of our leaders, because we recognize the greatness of their task, and because we are grateful for their willingness to lead. And what do we pray? We pray above all things that they sh- we should pray for their salvation. God, may they know you. May you break them in such a way that they see their need of a Savior. That even in their leading, they realize that they cannot lead just on their own gifts and talents and their good looks or whatever it may be. Pray that they may know Jesus Christ crucified. We don't know if they know Jesus, so we should pray that they would but whether or not our leaders are Christians, we should pray that God will guide them as they guide us. We should also pray that we be wise, that they be wise and discerning and surround themselves with helpful advisors. We know that God has placed our leaders in authority over us. Romans 13:1 says this, and we can ask him to use them as he wills. We should also pray for their protection. How about in the church? Pray for us. Pray for me, please. Please, pray for Pastor Matt. Well, especially right now because he's on a youth retreat. I forgot to say that. Pastor Matt's on a youth retreat right now. Our ministry leaders, our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, our nursery workers, we can pray for them to have strength in the midst of spiritual warfare and to remain encouraged in the Lord. We can pray for their families who often feel scrutinized and bear an extra load. Pray that God will give us a just government. But we don't just pray that God would give us a just government. So It just doesn't end there. We should mention our leaders before God in prayer and ask Him to have His way in their hearts to support those around them and to use their leadership to benefit their followers. That is what the psalm is praying for and that is what we should pray for too. If I took all of the energies that I exerted on complaining about my boss and I spent those (laughs) energies praying... I think my heart would have been a lot better, a lot faster, a lot quicker. If we would just pray for those people that God has placed over us, our hearts would certainly change. Our opinions, I'm not saying your opinions have to change, but my heart would change. We would repent of that and are commiserating, and we would move forward. Psalm 72 gives us an important example for us. Like David, we should pray for righteous civil leaders and for our church leaders who are righteous in their conduct, teaching, and leadership. So pray for them. Pray for our church leaders. Pray for Keith Albion. Pray for Chuck Selby. Pray for Dave Noble as they shepherd the flock that God has given them, has entrusted to them. Pray for our Sunday school teachers who are downstairs right now. For uh, April and Pam, I don't know who else is down there, but the other ones. For our nursery workers, for Rena and for, for Victoria, pray for them. Pray for them. But let us not just pray that God would give us a just government, because we don't just pray. We also pray while we wait for King Jesus. Because our government is messed up. It doesn't matter what form you have. It's still in a fallen world. I don't care. There is no perfect government. Democracy or not. Our hope is not found on an earthly government. Or who is our prime minister. Or who is our premier. Our hope is based upon King Jesus. Who will return. And one day every knee will bow. He will be Perfect in justice. Perfect in compassion. He will be perfect. And I think this is more evidence, I think of my brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in countries like Afghanistan. God help them. Pray for them. For those who know Jesus Christ. Do you know the church in Afghanistan has skyrocketed? God has done amazing and great things in that country. And he will continue to do that. But pray for our political leaders, for, the, for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Their hope is not found, obviously, in a government. Their hope has to be found in something greater, who is King Jesus. Let us pray that Jesus would come quickly. And this prayer, as we see in Psalm 72, is only fulfilled in Jesus. The first verse of this psalm's prayers for justice for the king of Israel, the son of David, While we must pray for all rulers to be righteous, this prayer will be completely answered only in Christ. So not only are we praying that our government would be just and that we would have good government, but we're also praying with anticipation of when King Jesus will return. And he will return. And that is our hope. Jesus announced a kingdom that would bring relief and healing and life to people physically as well as spiritually. We see that in, in passages like in Luke 4:18 to 19. See, prophetically, Solomon understood that his great, greater son's kingdom will extend far beyond his kingdom geographically, ethnically and chronologically. And to the believer, this is comforting. For those who are in Christ, this is comforting because our world is messed up. Our world is broken. It is fallen. There's this cosmic vision. We are strengthened to live in a kingdom that is now but not yet. As we see in Hebrews 12, verse 28, which is an everlasting kingdom that continues on and on. So in this political season, as all of those political leaders start to give all their promises, as they begin to campaign and all of the the signs are all up on the streets, instead of maybe complaining, how about we pray? How about we pray for our leaders? Let us pray for Justin Trudeau that A, he may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't you imagine that, eh? What would, like, imagine that. It would be completely different, right? But pray that he would also, even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't call him, that he would be just in his ruling. Pray for Premier Doug Ford as he governs the province of Ontario. Pray for our political leaders. Pray for them. But we pray with anticipation that one day King Jesus will return. That is our hope for Christians. That is our hope. Because, man, if our hope is based upon a political system changing, you're just going to be disappointed all day long. No time in our history has this country been perfect. We do better in other areas throughout history, and those are always shifting. So not only do we pray that God would grant us good government, but we also pray for Jesus to come when everything will be set right and perfect, just and good. This is the prayer that should give us hope. It should also send us out as well. It's to send us out with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to other people who are relying upon a political system to change so that things could get better. But our hope is based upon Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who grew up, who died for my sin, for your sin, who was buried for three days. He rose again, ascended to heaven, and will one day return because he's King Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us. Uh, God, I thank you for the reminder from Psalm 72 of the importance of praying for our leaders that you have placed over us. God, I pray that we would be marked as a praying people and not a complaining people. So Lord, I do pray for our prime minister as we enter into this political season. God, above all, I pray that you would break him so that he sees a need of a savior. I pray that you would surround him with people who love you more than anything. That it would be a weight that he could not even bear. That he would see his sin in his life and the need of a Savior. But God, even if you do not call him to yourself, I pray that he would govern justly. That you would bring advisors and people around him who would point him in a way that is just. Lord, I pray the same for, for Premier Doug, for our prime minister. And I pray the same for, for our mayor, Lord. I pray that you would just call them to yourself, that they may know you, Jesus Christ, as King Jesus. And amen.